Turn with me today in your Bible to the prophecy of Micah. The book of Micah, we want to read from chapter 7. Probably the best way to find Micah is find Matthew and work your way back through Malachi and Zechariah. And then eventually, keep working your way back, you'll come to Habakkuk and Nahum. And then the book of Micah. Micah chapter 7. We're going to commence reading at verse 1. Reading down to verse 13. And we're reading of course from the authorised version. So Micah chapter 7 verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Woe is me. For I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the great gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh, and the judge asketh for a reward, and the great man, he uttereth his mischievous desire, so they wrap it up. The best of them is as a briar, the most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchmen and thy visitation cometh, Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoureth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. In the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. And that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities and from the fortress even to the river and from the sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. Notwithstanding the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. Amen. We know that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading from his own infallible and inerrant truth. 
Now my text this morning is taken from Micah, chapter 7, and it's the verse 7. It reads, Therefore I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. And my theme today is simply entitled, A Word of Encouragement in the Worst of Days. Let's begin by asking a few questions. Who was Micah? Micah was a servant of the Lord. He was a man of God. A preacher of the living and the true God. His name means who is like Jehovah. Secondly, when did he preach? Uh, Micah preached around the time of seven 37 BC to 696 BC. Where did he preach? He preached in Samaria and in the city of Jerusalem and in the province of Judah. He preached during the reign of the three kings of Judah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Sadly, Jotham was a lukewarming compromiser who failed to remove the idols of the high places in Judah. So idolatry flourished uh, uh, and instead of the worship of the living and the true God. Ahaz was really the worst of Judah's kings, a very wicked and godly man. Hezekiah was a relatively godly king whose coronation saw a, a, a limited revival and reformation of the word of God brought into the land of Israel and in particular the territory of Judah. What did he preach? Micah faithfully and fully preached the word of God in an uncompromising manner. He preached in Samaria and in Jerusalem and in the Judean hillside. He freely and faithfully denounced sin and wickedness. He powerfully uh, proclaimed the message of judgment to come. He spoke about the future destruction of Jerusalem and Samaria. Now, of course, he was very well equipped to preach the word of God and to carry out his faithful ministry. In Micah chapter 3 and verse 8, he says this, but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. He also preached Christ. If you think about Micah chapter 5 and 2, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And of course, this is a prophecy, Micah 5 and 2, that relates to the birth and the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now, in the first six chapters, Micah deals with his homeland. He's, he's merely dealing with the true state and condition of the land spiritually before God and of God's remedy to that situation in the call to true repentance and a return to faith in God. Now, when we come to chapter 7, there's a complete change in emphasis. Instead of dealing with his homeland, as he did in the first uh, six chapters, he then begins to deal with himself. He then begins to deal with his own heart. 
Look with me at chapter 7, verse 1. Woe is me, for I am as when they had gathered the summer fruits. You see, I believe he's reflecting here and summing up his life's ministry. And as he does so, he begins to open up his heart and he begins to tell us how he's really feeling. Now remember, he's the prophet of the Lord. He's a man full of the power of the Spirit of God. He's the servant of the Lord. And he's assessing his own situation. He sees and knows his own heart, despite the difficulties, despite the darkness and the desolation of his day. You see, in the days of Micah, just a bit like today, nobody wants to hear this brand of preaching. Nobody wants to be told about sin or about repentance or judgment to come or hell for all eternity. Nobody really wants to learn about God's salvation. It's a day when true religion is at a low ebb. It's a day when the church then was plagued with mere empty religious professors. Mega discovered that even in the seat of government, the politicians and the princes, they were iniquitous individuals. The prophets and the priests, they were prophesying and ministering for, for money and they were open to hire and open to bribes. And I believe that Micah, during at some point in his ministry, had become despondent. His heart and mind became sorrowful. He was in a distressed, dejected situation. And what could he do in that situation? What could God's people do when they feel exactly the same way that the man of God felt? Well, I want to show you this morning what he did do, for I want you to think of what he said in the verse 7. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And I put it to you this morning that what we have here in verse 7 is primarily a word of encouragement for an individual, whether prophet or preacher or people living in the worst of days. This was a word of encouragement for himself as a preacher. That was a word of encouragement for God's people alike. But what are God's people to do in the worst of days when, when nobody wants to hear the word of God? And people are asking the question, where is the Lord thy God? Well, here's the answer. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Now, there's three things here in this text. First of all, I want you to think of the declaration that he proclaimed. He says, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. In the midst of these dark days in which he's living, in the midst of these difficult times when nobody has an ear to hear the word of God, I want you to notice what Micah tells us that he is going to do. He says, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. Now, I want you to think of the context of the look. The word, therefore, we really ought to ask ourselves, what's it there for? It's a reference back to the previous six verses. Some commentators tell us it's a reference back to 
the whole of the prophecy, in light of all that he has said, the woes upon the people, the woes upon himself, in light of the state of my homeland, in the light of the state of my heart, he's summarizing, you see. And if you think of the context, the immediate context, he was distressed in heart. He had a deep-seated sorrow in his soul. If you look at verse 1, for example, he says, Woe is me, for I am as when they had gathered the summer fruit, as the grape gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. Now remember, he's living in a day of religious compromise. He's lived in a day of reckless corruption and the kingship of Ahaz with the Baal worship and the bloodshed. He's lived in days of relative revival and reformation where there was a response to repentance and a response to uh, the call to have faith in God. And so long he has been living and preaching during the reign of these three kings that somewhere along the road he himself has grown weary. Is it possible for a man of God or a child of God to grow weary even in the work of God? And the answer is yes. It's possible to be overcome with a sorrowful heart. It's, it's possible to become melancholy in relation to the things of God. All that Micah has seen, all the goings on in the land, the compromise, the, the corruption, the life of the people, it got to him. He, he, he says, woe is me. And that word woe has to do with sorrow. He's a man with a sorrowful heart. He's a man who's depressed and distressed in his soul. He, he makes a reference to summer fruits. He's thinking of a harvest. He's thinking of the gathering of the grapes. And after the gleanings have taken place, there's nothing left. He looks upon the vine and there's not even one or two clusters there. And what's he saying to us? He's saying, I am just like that. My life's work, my, my life's ministry is like this. Now remember, this is a man of God. This is a servant of the Lord. This is a preacher of the word of God. And he's telling us here how he felt. There's not even one or two clusters left. And, and that's just like me. It's really telling us that he's cast down. Not, not only his distress, but think of his disappointment in his heart and life. If you look at verse 2, it says, The good man is perished out of the earth, and there's none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. He's, he's making the reference here that there's no faithful man left. The reference to the word good is a reference to the godly. The godly man has perished out of the earth. He can have no fellowship with them. He has got no true spiritual friends. And we get asked the question, where are all the good and godly men, Micah? Men of faith, men with a vision of God, men with the burden of the Lord. And he's looking around him and he's saying, but there's nobody interested in the things of God. There's nobody interested in the word of God. There's a few. There's a tiny remnant. 
But in the vast majority, there's no love and there's no mercy and there's no tender-hearted men left. There's no men left who have a strong faith in God. No men left who have got a quest and a desire for holiness of life and heart. The vast majority are out to live for themselves. They're not living for the Lord. He talks about the princes. Open to bribery. He talks about the priests. Open to bribery. He says they're just like sharp briars. They're out to get. They're out to gain. By all means possible. Fair or foul. He even talks about the land being full of violence and bloodshed. Where are the godly men? They're noticeable by their absence. Where's the godly young people if we apply it to our day? Think of young people leaving school and maybe going to university and maybe the only one in a classroom of 25 or 30 prepared to take a stand for the Lord. And I'll tell you young people, if you do that, or, or in the workplace, or in your school, if you're moving school, you'll feel isolated. And you'll be afraid. And you'll be friendless. And you'll be lonely. And all around you, they'll be cursing. And there'll be those talking about booze and maybe even drugs. And there'll be those guilty of stealing and looking at, at, at banned images. And, and you'll discover that you're on your own. And not only that, if you look at verse 6, he mentions about the family. There's a breakdown of natural family relationships. Uh, closest family members are, are living ungodly lives. This is a day of difficulty, a day of darkness, a, a day of hard going. And what are we to do in such a day? This is the context of the look now. He gets his eyes in the Lord. He says, I will look unto the Lord. Whatever the circumstances are, young people, men and women, whatever the situation is, we are faith. We must continue to look to the Lord. Therefore means looking back. He was looking back in these difficult, dark times, these days of spiritual dearth and desolation, when they, the, the godly are absent. Where there's a lack of good men. Where there's a, a day of deception and corruption. A, a day of mistrust. Here's Micah's answer. What to do in that day? Get your eyes on the Lord. Think of the character of the look. He says, I will look. It has to be a look of faith. In the midst of all his problems. In the midst of all the situation that he faces, despite the sorrow that he feels in his heart, despite the days of corruption and mistrust, despite the increase of the sinfulness of man, he gets his eyes on the Lord. It's a look of faith. He's been saved by faith. He knows that he must walk and live by faith. Remember what faith is, forsaking all, I trust him. See, men will let you down. Even good men, godly men, family and friends can let you down. But the Lord will never, ever let you down. The psalmist talks in Psalm 60, vain is the help of man. How did Moses endure? The answer is seeing him who is invisible. And if we were to bring Abel into the pulpit and Enoch and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and go on to uh, many others. How did you live? They all lived with faith, keeping their eyes on him who was invisible. 
And they had faith in him who had promised. See, Micah could say, I believe God. Micah could say, I, I trust the Lord. Doesn't the Bible say, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, as a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we're saved by faith, and we are, then we will also walk and live by faith. Doesn't the Bible say four times, the just shall live by faith, the very watchword of the, the Protestant Reformation. And we have faith in God not only to save our souls, but we have faith in God even in the darkest of times, even in the most difficult of situations, even in times of trial and trouble, when the tears roll down our face. You see, Micah, I believe, is raising up a testimony. And the testimony is this. Here's the declaration that he proclaimed. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. And the context is, it's a dark and difficult day. And it's a look of faith. I trust this morning, if you're going through trial and trouble, no matter what it is, if it's small or large, you'll remember that in the midst of that, the Bible counsels you to have faith in God. And notice something else here in the text. The determination he practiced. He said, I will wait for the God of my salvation. See, Micah is not only a, a man of faith, but he's a man of patient resolution. He says, I will wait. He's thinking to himself, no matter what others do, no matter what the priests are doing or the princes are doing or the people are doing, I will wait upon the God of my salvation. The word wait here has to be emblematic of prayer. And I believe that's the right um, thought. If you think of the rest of the text, it says, my God will hear me. So, so it's tied into the subject of waiting on God in prayer, of, of, of asking God for things. And no doubt that God, the Spirit, had put the desire in his heart to, to cry unto God. We know that prayer is important. We know it's a sin not to pray. We know the Bible tells us, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not fear. And how many times have we come to God, even in the year that's gone into eternity so far, and asked the Lord for certain things? And we're still waiting on the answer. Do you know that Abraham waited some 25 years for the promised seed to be fulfilled? The birth of Isaac. Of course, Abraham grew impatient. Abraham found it hard to wait, and, and we find it hard to wait, don't we? Abraham found it hard to wait. Abraham tried to help God out and made a mess of things. We have difficulty waiting 25 minutes, 25 days, 25 months, but 25 years. You see, God isn't in a hurry even to fulfill his promise to Abraham, but he did fulfill it. And while the Lord may be slow to fulfill a promise, he is absolutely sure Think of Moses, for example, waiting 40 years in the desert on the call of God to go back to Egypt and lead the children of Israel out. 
I often think of those words in uh, Psalm uh, 27, uh, tremendous encouragement um, about waiting on the Lord. Psalm 27 and verse uh, 14, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And that, that's important. Waiting on the Lord in prayer, waiting believingly, waiting expectantly, uh, waiting in faith. Um, that's good advice. We need to have a patient resolution. That, that's what Micah had. Also, I believe Micah was a man of patient reasoning. He says, wait on the Lord. His faith in the Lord isn't misplaced. He's got his eyes firmly fixed on Jehovah. Hasn't the Lord said, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth? Uh, don't we read in the book of Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the faith, despising the shame and is set down in the right hand of the throne of God? Where's Micah's help to come from? Where's Micah's hope to come from? And the answer is, summed up in the words of Joel 3 and 16, the Lord is the hope of his people. What hope do we have? Well, something that's sure and steadfast. We're facing the prospect of our new building. We're thinking about the need financially in relation to the building. We're thinking about seeing it finished. We're thinking about seeing it filled, which the Lord will have to double then the, the number here in the congregation. And where's our help to see that accomplished? Where's our hope? Well, well the answer is the Lord. I will wait on the God of my salvation or wait for the God of my salvation. You see, if the Lord's our help, and the Lord's our hope, then we can wait prayerfully before him. We can wait silently before him. We can wait expectantly before him. And, and we can lean wholly on him and on his promises. We're not looking to men. We're not looking to movements. Micah wasn't looking to himself and looking into his heart. He, he, he knew how he felt. He, he, he knew how sinful he was. In fact, he goes on to tell us in this particular psalm or particular portion of the word of God about his sin. We're not looking to the church for the answers. We're not relying on great leaders. He is saying, I will wait for the God of my salvation. In other words, I'll wait for God to work. I'll wait for God to act. I'd wait for God to move in power and blessing. I'd wait for God to move even in judgment. Just like Habakkuk. We're not keen on waiting. Sure we're not. Think of waiting in the hospital. And I, I've been there. And some of you have been there before me. And I know how difficult that it can be. Waiting in traffic. You want to blare the horn. Or like one man who uh, will remain nameless. Deliberately drove his car into the back of another vehicle because it wasn't going quick enough or at the airport if you're sitting waiting especially if the plane's delayed or waiting on the telephone for uh, the um, speaker to uh, switch off and you'd be put through to an operator waiting in a shop we're not keen on waiting but we must wait especially on the Lord for the Lord to work in his time and in his way 
We must wait without worry. We must wait in faith and trust and submission before the Lord. God is a time. God is a will to fulfill. God's way must be brought to pass. As for God, his way is perfect. God is in absolute sovereign control, individually and collectively, even of his own work. God's will will be done. He is always in time. Nothing is done before his time. We must keep our eye on the Lord at all times. This story told about the Reverend Philip Brooks. He was a quiet man, known for his piety and godliness. He wrote some lovely hymns that we sometimes sing in our worship service. And one time a visitor came to the house and he was like a bear in a pit. He was in an absolute rage and he was pouncing up and down and shouting and going on. And the, the, the man said to him, Reverend Brooks, I've never seen you agitated like this before. What's the problem? What has happened? And he says, I'm in a hurry. But God isn't. And that's why he was annoyed. And sometimes we feel like that. God isn't in a hurry. We want instantaneous answers to birth. We, we expect. God is his time. God is his way. God can say no to our prayers. God can say yes. God can tell us to wait. And oftentimes he does. To draw us closer to himself. To reveal himself. So that we're relying on him. So that he gets all the glory. Keep on waiting. Until God acts. Until God works. There, there has to be a steadfast determination. He says, I will wait for the God of my salvation. And notice lastly. The demonstration he professed. He says, my God will hear me. You see, this is a confident assurance that God hears and answers prayer. My God will hear me. Now, now that assurance and confidence is based on two things. It's based on his relationship, my God. He's got a rock-solid confidence. He's a man full of faith and hope. Why and how? Because he can talk about the God of my salvation. He can talk about my God. Yes, he's despised. Nobody wants to listen to the preacher. Yes, he's, he's hated and rejected. Yes, people refuse to listen to the word of God. But he's my God. And that relationship is rock solid. It doesn't change. He's got his eyes in the person of God. Oh, there's other false gods being worshipped. Other images of men, stone and brass and, and even gold. But they have neither eyes to see nor ears to hear. But my God, he's the living and the true God. You see, Micah is a saved man. He has believed and trusted in the Lord for salvation. He talks about the God of my salvation. I want to ask this morning, is he your God? Are you in a right relationship with him? Can you talk about the God of my salvation? Because you're saved, you recognize you're a sinner. And you need to put your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation. And you've come to Christ and you've cried out, God be merciful to me the sinner. And you're in a right relationship with him. By faith. It's based on a relationship. And also, it's based on the right resources. He says, my God will hear me. Think of the, the affirmation here. My God will hear me. Didn't the psalmist say this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all my troubles. And you see, connected into this thought, my God will hear me, is what we read in verse 9. 
I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. Until he plead my cause. That has to do with the Lord acting as an advocate on his behalf. You think of going to a solicitor and the solicitor will maybe recommend or uh, help you to appoint a barrister to go to the court and act on your behalf and they will arrange a meeting uh, and you'll ask the barrister, will you take my case? And if he says he will, then, then he becomes your advocate. He, he's the go-between you and the judge and he pleads your cause and your sets out your case before you in the courtroom. And that's exactly what the, the Apostle John had in mind whenever he said these words in First uh, John uh, chapter 2 and in the verse 2. He says, um, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Who is he? Jesus Christ the righteous. You see, he has confidence he is one to plead his cause before the face of God. He is one who can abundantly pardon all his sin. One who can deal with his sin. One whose promises are true. And you see, you can lean on the promises of God and the promises of God will not break. And, and that's the resources that he has in mind. He will hear my prayer or will hear me. Why? Because I have a righteous advocate in heaven. On the ground of his blood, my sin is dealt with and pardoned. I've got his promises. His promises are true and I can lean upon them. And that's the demonstration that he professed. And I asked you as we close this morning, thinking of this word of encouragement in the worst of days, have you got a relationship with the Lord? Can you talk about the God of my salvation? Can, can you look to these resources that, that are freely available to all who, who trust in Christ? Christ becomes your advocate. Christ deals with your sin in the ground of his blood. Christ gives you his promises. And therefore you can, you can come to God with absolute confidence and rock-solid assurance that God will hear you. He hears the prayers of his people. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears open under their cry even in a dark day I wonder what Micah prayed about prayed about the state of the church in his day prayed about the state of the country it was in a bad state many empty religious professors people who named the name of the Lord who talked the talk but didn't walk the walk and Micah brought all that and poured it out before the Lord and he waited for God to act and deal with the situation and even in the worst of days facing our church and facing the country, we must do the same thing. Take this word of encouragement to heart. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, look to the Lord. Wait patiently for him and have the confidence that he will hear your prayers. May the Lord bless this little thought to you this morning.